Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ten seconds to go. Jaron dribbles into the front court. Drives to the bucket. His shot. No good. Put back up and in by Trayvon Scott. Cincinnati by one. Rose from half court. His shot is no good. 20-25 toward the middle of the field with the 35. And he is gone. Trey Tucker will take it. 98 yards to the house. As Ritter catches the shotgun snap. Five-step drop from the 10. Fires deep down the middle of the field. Tyler Scott is open. Over the shoulder, catch to the 38. Sprinting away from the Red Hawks. Into the end zone for an 81-yard touchdown. It is a nip at night knockout. And the fans are beginning to charge the field here at Nippert Stadium. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats week in and week out. I don't need to say anything else right now, but what the fuck? Dude, this sucks. I mean, I we're going to give our just very quick and honest reactions because we just watched the college football playoff rankings. I, I really don't know what else to say, except we should have seen it coming. I think we gave them too much credit. And here we are sitting pretty in the number six slot, uh, dropping from number two out of the AP poll, which we've been holding for, what, three weeks now? Um to uh number six and so this is not fun and we're kind of screwed in a lot of ways we're going to dig into it but please tell me steve how are you feeling because i'm sure you're feeling just about the same as me man i'm just exhausted yeah exhausted man uh i'm stealing that line from my buddy justin Ireley. i don't know if you remember him from the 2019 video staff but Man, I am exhausted. I talked to a lot of Justins, by the way. I am just very exhausted of this entire process. And I told you, Justin, I wasn't going to get mad. I knew what was coming. And I'm just, like I said, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm just tired of the BS, tired of, like, why, I'm tired of all the stupid arguments, tired of letting people in suits ruin a perfectly good season for the Bearcats just because they don't, we're not as good as the other teams. And now that playoff expansion is coming, I guess it doesn't really matter. We don't need to be vocal. We're going to the Big 12, so it doesn't really like matter. It's not like this is going to be our once-in-a-lifetime shot. But right. in last year, they showed their cards, and this year they're showing them again. It's just exhausting. Yeah, and and it would be blind of us, too, to say that they only showed it last year. They've showed it every year since it started. I mean... If we look back to Houston and UCF, look at some of these other teams, they've all been in the same situation. I mean, Houston kind of did it to themselves, but if you look at UCF, I think they were the biggest contender. Um, you know, what, they lost one game in two seasons? Um, 
and that was a bowl game too, by the way. It's it's insane to see that all the excuses before were, well, there's no strong schedule in non-conference. There's no this or that. There's the, all of the things that everybody else seemed to leave out or got tripped up on, we've done right. And now that we've done every single thing that they've asked for, we're still sitting here in that same position just with a shinier participation trophy. And it really fucking sucks. It's, it's hard to kind of fathom how we get out of this scenario. Um, because if you look at the rest of the top 10, we're pretty screwed and locked up from every other angle because it's not just about the top 10. And I'll, I'll kind of go into this a little bit more detail, but it's not just about the top 10. It's about who sits just outside the top 10 and who sits just outside the top 10 are all opponents left on the schedules of people who are in the top 10. And as we know, now the Bearcats have no ranked opponents left, especially the most important part here is sure. We have AP ranked SMU and Houston, um, possibly most likely left on our schedule in the championship game. But right now, neither of them are in the CFP top 25, which Everybody knows once this week hits in the season, they really stop paying attention to the AP top 25 and you start paying attention to the CFP top 25. And that's the top 25 that matters. I just don't see how we get out of this. Um, I think we're stuck. Um, To go into some detail, Alabama jumped up to number two. Um, which they were in third, which I think uh, if we can quote the great Tony Pike, Alabama's best win on the season was the bye week. Uh, <laughs> they they've been they've they've done what Alabama does, but it hasn't been a season where you can say there's enough excuses to put them right up there next to Georgia. Like they're the team. They've got a loss on the schedule right now. There's currently five teams in the top ten that are undefeated. Which I also would like to say it's interesting that UTSA is not in the top twenty-five and they are undefeated. Interesting enough, but um, there's just there's just so many teams kind of coming in and out of this top ten, and will be over the next few weeks. But I think Cincinnati's a lock at six, and I really don't see how we break the top four from here. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think? Looking at the whole scenario, and then you're going to have your perfect world scenario coming up later in the show. But I think thing we need is just for like. You see to keep winning, obviously. Georgia needs to like beat Alabama by two touchdowns because one, a two loss non champion is not gonna get in the playoffs. So I think that'll knock them out. And if obviously if Alabama beats Georgia, then we're screwed. But I think you need Michigan State to lose, and I think you need Oregon to lose again. That's just clearing up spots. So right. And like all we need to do is get to four, and we played tough against Georgia. If you and you're you're in the playoff, so theoretically anything can happen. Like first year of the playoff, four beat one, you know, and like Alabama was a four one year that beat the number one Clemson Tigers. So mm-hmm. it's not unrealistic for a number four to beat a number one in the playoff. Obviously, you would rather have that two three slot, but I think Oregon's fraudulent. We don't have to worry about Oklahoma right now because I don't think they're they're they got even uh, hurt worse than us with that number eight ranking. Um, just kind of upsetting to see these teams like Alabama and 
uh, the Michigan State one is a weird one to me because okay, they yep. beat a team, but they beat them at home. I thought you got more credit for being a team like a top ten team on the road than you did yep. at home. So but, yeah, and well, I'll I'll, I'll kind of jump off that what you're saying right now is uh, went into some detail on this whole Michigan State scenario because. Um, as somebody who currently lives uh, just about an hour west of East Lansing, I am not cheering for Michigan State here. I mean, it's <laughs> everybody here cheers for Michigan State, and it's like I always just felt we were so uninvolved, but now I have to scream at these people because <laughs> they're the people that are going to be in the, our way. Um, and we thought, you know, especially when Fickle turned down Michigan State and Mel Tucker went there, we we're like, okay, well, that's a good hire for them. But holy hell, they came out of nowhere. We got to, like, I think that's just, we have to give them some credit too because Michigan State has definitely taken care of business. But this is what we have to ask is how are they three spots ahead of us? Because if you look at the details, Michigan State beat a top 10 team, a CFP top 10 team, which is number seven Michigan at home in Lansing. They won by four points. Cincinnati beat a CFP top 10 team, the number 10 Notre Dame. Ooh, wait, okay, hold on. My mind just fucking... Right. Like, here we go. Cincinnati beat a top 10 CFP team, number 10 Notre Dame, on the road. We won by 11. So qualifiers, top 10, sure, it's number 7 and number 10. Who cares? It's a top 10 team. Then we both played Indiana, who has also done nobody any favors, especially the Bearcats. Michigan State beat IU in Bloomington 20-15. to The Bearcats also beat Indiana in Bloomington, but won 38-24. to Against a common opponent, we won by nine more points. So again, I ask, how are they three positions ahead of us? Because sure, they beat Miami. That was a Miami on the road as well, which is a top 25. Our Indiana game, people like to look at a two and six or whatever they are, Indiana now. Sure, Indiana's probably had arguably one of the toughest strength of schedules of over the course of the entire season. If you look at it, they've got what five top ten teams on there, four top ten teams, and then you know, two or three more top twenty-five teams. They've had a tough schedule, but regardless, Indiana was ranked thirty-first. When you're outside of the top 25, you forget about rankings, but they were ranked 31st when we played them, which, again, was for us on the road. So why are we disqualifying these, you know, just outside or just so ever so close if we're looking at that week? We're not. We're looking at what happens down the rest of the season. And unfortunately, for the rest of the season, Michigan State, OSU, and all these other people got to roll Indiana just as much as the same way that we did. And a two and six team for OSU is not the same two and six team that the Bearcats played. It just isn't, no matter the score. And it sucks because we're always held to a different set of rules, especially when you're looking at the CFP, not just even the AP top 25. I think for once we finally got the respect from them this year, but for the CFP, they've shown their cards over and over and over and over and over again. And this week it really showed. Um, so. I have to mention this too. There's other landlocked teams in the CFP top 10, so we're not completely in the dark here by ourselves. But um, the most important part is we have to understand that we're in control of 
our destiny, but not the destiny sort of of the playoff. So most important thing right now is we have to win. That's the most important part, because if we don't win out, well, okay, we're not having this conversation anymore. All of this conversation has just kind of been, well, okay, forget about it. If you look at a team like BYU, they're sitting in 15th. Everybody was talking about them. They're all the rage. They, Sorry, goodbye. You're out of the conversation. It doesn't matter who you play on the rest of your schedule. You're out. So the Bearcats have to take care of business. Um, but I'm, I want to know what you're, what's the team that you're paying attention to the most as the biggest threat to the Bearcats outside of the top four? Um, well, I listened to probably one too many college football podcasts. And uh, one I listened to is uh, Annie Staples' show uh, on The Athletic. And he is of the mind that an undefeated Wake would get a playoff spot over undefeated Cincinnati, even though I would say undefeated us would have a better win than them. Andy says that they would have a better body of work, which I don't know. At some point, we got to take the conferences off these teams and just rate them by you know how good they are and how like their actual rating their numbers instead of just oh the fact they they're in a you know they're in the ACC they're in the Big Ten they're automatically better and sure they probably got better talent and stuff but like man it just makes me upset that like you know you they compare schedules and they compare team names without comparing oh yeah this team is actually not that good they're ranked low here and like obviously that won't help you see much but like and indiana's not helping us at all like Miami has never helped us in that game. We should get off that game because that game never helps us. Yeah. And UCF's not helping. Temple's not helping. Like all of our other wins except for Notre Dame aren't helping. And mm-hmm. like just it's frustrating to me because at some point it should be like it's it's not a ranking of who you played, it's how you played against that schedule. And yep. to me, it's just crazy that losses do not matter. Alabama Ohio State. Well, I guess the loss did matter for Ohio State because Oregon's ahead of them. But Oregon is a one-loss team still. Yeah. I don't think they should be above us because we haven't lost. Well, I mean, if you argue to that same point, there's five undefeated top 10 teams, but they're all across the board. And so, I mean, I'm with you on that. that I mean, that part sucks. I mean, why do the undefeated teams and a, and a team... Let's even, let's even look at the details here. Oklahoma's 9-0. They've gotten, I mean, they haven't had their bye week yet, I guess, because they're 9 0. But I mean, hell, they've got nine wins, and a lot of these other teams have, or have seven on the season. Nope. That sucks, too. I'm not an Oklahoma fan, but damn, that sucks for them. Well, and I think it's also just the fact that this is the, the biggest, like, so many teams are still live in the playoff race right now. Like, Nobody's really knocked themselves out yet. And I think what hurts is also that a team like Ohio State or a team like Alabama, they lost before the playoff rankings came out. So it's just like, and I don't understand like how we can like not hit like, you know, those points or move up for, for winning games where we didn't lose, where the committee's rankings come in after all of this stuff and, Maybe we should have seen it coming because they lost early and the AP poll is a, a poll of opinions, but it's also kind of just like, 
it's easy. You do the math. This yeah. team goes up. This team goes down. Like I think that's what infuriates people about the playoff committee is that like nothing they do like correlates with what they've done before, and things just so frustrating to people to like try and understand why like oh this team is you know this team's good this team's not like Fresno State is ranked with two losses uh yeah two losses like Houston and SMU have had pretty good years for themselves and it was UTSA for sure and at some point like losses have to matter like this quality loss thing is just crazy to me I just don't get it like, what's the point of playing your schedule if and if you're just going to get credit for losing? So, it's just, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this committee. And it's just like, I, I know people don't like to bring up the BCS, but in an age where we have much more technology, much more accurate mm-hmm. rankings, and we can do an, a proper algorithm of rankings this time. Breach. Just don't understand how we like still leave this up to people. Like, is that crazy yeah. to you that like even like in basketball they have like the net ranking, but obviously that doesn't go into it. There's more of a bigger body of work in basketball, so some things make more sense. But it in every other sport, it is determined by records and like like soccer is points or you know hockey hockey is points, but it's determined right. by wins, losses, or ties. It's not determined by who you beat, who you've lost to. And I know college football is different. I know. Yeah. Man, like, how can we not figure out something that doesn't just leave it up to dudes in a room just talking, you know? Yeah. Just, still Rice on the... Because uh, Consolidia Rice still on the committee. I don't want to just say throw out <laughs> dudes out there. Yeah, I, I mean... I'm totally with you on that, too. And I think there's so many other people that would agree as well, because... Ultimately, like, even if you look at the NFL, like, it's not a decision of, you know, oh, they look better than this team. Or, you know, these guys will hop on these, these analysts will hop on shows all day long for weeks on end for, you know, the 17 now weeks of NFL. It doesn't give any sort of validity to a team being good or bad. It matters who they beat. And when it matters is who they beat is, okay, well... They beat the team that they needed to beat. So then, therefore, this you know conference alignment and this conference schedule, they're the best team. They're going to go to the playoffs. And these other teams that, you know, they may have had a great season. They may have looked good, but they didn't have that one extra win that they needed. So they didn't get the wild card or they didn't get this or that. Also, playoff, like if we're not going to have the expansion right now, why isn't there some kind of wild card? Why isn't there some kind of something just to... It's so phenomenally frustrating because it's not even just us. It's so many other quality teams that could be in the conversation that aren't. And it's not even just a thing of quality teams. Sometimes it's just the, I think it's different than basketball because in basketball, literally anyone can win as we've seen time and again. And even more recently with the more recent, um, more recent tournaments where crazy upsets happen. But I just don't, get how we have this separation of team to team to team to team and it doesn't matter 
what your wins, what your losses are. It just really matters. Are you the consistent top four, consistent top five teams? Are you that power five? Yes or no? All right. If you're not, well, then see ya. Get out. That part sucks. Also, just like they don't pick things on brand names, obviously, but I thought UC would have gotten a little bit more respect because when the UCF game was happening earlier this year, their fans were all like, we've paved the way for you. We made this happen. Like we, we uh, caused the the people to reevaluate. And it was like, and so I saw someone bring up a good point. UCF had just gone 0 and 12 and six and six before is going 11 and 0 uh, or, you know, 12 and 0, 13 and 0 that one season. So, can understand why in the current construct they started out of the preseason top 25 they had to work their way in and they just ran out of time to keep going up the ladder right and we started in the top 10 and like you know we've had a gradual rise like we worked our way in in 2018 rising in 2019 kept rising in 2020 like it's been a four-year build it hasn't just been like we just popped up and we're eight no this year it's been a constant thing. So I just am upset. <laughs> I don't understand. The thing about people too is that they can change the criteria to fit whatever they want and they can just do what they want to do or like use different things that matter. And don't understand like scary Barta dude. Uh, I guess yeah. he's the AD at Iowa, but don't, please just don't like tag him in tweets. Like that's just like, I don't know. Just it's, I just think it's silly, but also like, how can you like, I don't want, I think people are tired of politicians speak. Um, like people in, uh, college sports because like everybody knows where things have gone because in college sports, usually things follow precedent, and that precedent is usually money-driven. Right. And I think it would do a lot better for college sports, if, or like the, in this case, the playoff, if Barry Barter just listed, okay, here's what you did that we liked, here's what you did that you didn't like. It doesn't help anybody just to say, like, the committee greatly respects Cincinnati. Well, what right. do you know? What do you not like? What, like... I think the criteria needs to be laid out and i think like people don't like this idea that all these things are done in a back door like you know like conference room meeting room in in texas like lay out the criteria even the ncaa tournament like the committee lays out the criteria and like mm-hmm. you say like this is what we're valuing more this year this is what we're looking at more this year i don't think the playoff has ever done that and i would like them to do it never going to because that's how they can yeah. change the rules but frustrating yeah and i i actually want to jump on your point too of mentioning the gary barda thing because i don't remember if it was kirk or some other espn analyst had actually talked to them right at the end of the cfp ranking show and was like hey gary you know everybody's talking about alabama jumping up this or that but the main conversation is was Cincinnati disrespected? 
Um, and he's like, no, I don't think that we disrespected Cincinnati. I think that Cincinnati has, um, you know, played great, but they don't have anybody on their schedule. We congratulate them for their great win against Notre Dame, but it's all this, you know, this, but this, but, and, and I think the biggest issue that we're seeing with somebody like him is, you know, he's got to be the face of this committee, which is going to always take a lot of flack, but at the same time, like you can't just sit there and say, there's no ceiling because Kirk asked that question. He's like, does Cincinnati have a ceiling is six, the ceiling. And he's like, well, I wouldn't exactly like, there's no, you can tell right from the second he replied to that question. He's trying to be nice. He's trying to, you know, cover his tracks. He's trying not to talk himself into, you know, a grave, but you can see like when he asked about a ceiling, Gary Barta said, no, but, and, and there's a, there's just this attitude with this committee that we're, that, that the power five is just going to drive the final decision. And I, and I think it sucks too, when you look at something like the PAC 12, because you can look at the sec and, and, and I'd argue even the ACC this year, because, you know, you don't have the predominant Clemson team of that we've been used to all these years. Um, but you look at like the ACC and the Pac-12, can we really argue that they're any different than the American this year? You know, I think as somebody in the American, obviously we're going to fight for that. But I would say that from the outside perspective, they don't look that much stronger. I mean, I think the SEC and the Big Ten have a huge separation this year. I'll give them the credit because those teams look good and it's not just a, well, okay, they're ranked higher. I think those teams are just genuinely dominant. But the ACC, the Pac-12, and the American, I think, have that sort of gap where anybody could be the better conference that year. And I think we're all on the same level playing field. But the Pac-12 and Oregon is getting more benefit from that. They're a one-loss team. They lost to Stanford. Cool, they beat OSU. That's a huge win on the road. I'll give all the credit in the world to Oregon for that. But you lost to Stanford. You lost to Stanford, and granted, it was an overtime loss, this or that. I looked this up, too. Oregon's winning by an average of about 13 points a game. I'm pretty sure the Bearcats are winning by about 27 to 28. Anywhere between 24 and 28. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but we're winning by a three-score margin. And I think that should be an important metric that the committee looks at week in and week out, is are these teams not only winning, but are they winning by a lot? Are they actually dominating the teams that they play? And sure, you're going to have close games to the bigger teams. Maybe you can factor something else in that combines this metric with strength of record. But like you're saying, we have so many metrics in this day and age, so much technology. Why can't we just go, let's pick our strength of record, strength of schedule, point margin, this and that, and whatever, smash them all into one algorithm and output a list. That's what happens. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your brand name is, doesn't matter this or that. What did you do? Did you do it right? Yes or no? That should be how it works. And unfortunately, like you said, it's a game of opinions. It's not a it's not a thing that we really get to decide. So um we could oh, we Justin, could link Yeah, go uh, ahead. Lem, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's what's what's helped the basketball committee um over the years, like I said. And I think that would that would help the playoff committee in the future. But do you want to hear your perfect world scenario for the like the next four or five weeks 
what has to happen in your mind for the Bearcats to reach the top four? Absolutely. Lay it on me. So I feel like I need to add some some kind of X-Files music to this or something. You know what? I'm going to dub in the X-Files music because this will work. So, in my perfect world scenario, Oklahoma loses to Baylor, but they beat Oklahoma State. If you look at the rest of Oklahoma's schedule, they have a number 12 and a number 11 Oklahoma State in the current CFP rankings. Those two teams are not dangerous for Oklahoma. They're dangerous for everybody else. If that happens, it knocks Oklahoma out of contention but keeps Baylor from creeping in because it won't let them look too good. And I think Baylor can upset and not do any more damage. Michigan State needs to beat OSU and then do the incredibly unlikely and lose to anyone else left on their schedule, which is Purdue, Maryland, or Penn State. And I think even a loss in the Big Ten Championship game because right now they have the advantage would also pull them out of the top four. Um, and this will be interesting to see how this plays out too, because currently Michigan State is at the top of the Big Ten East, which means Ohio State doesn't get the championship game. But that's going to be decided with that MSU game. Along with that, Oregon needs to slip up again at any point, And I think their best shot at doing this is on the road at Utah, which currently the Utes are favorites like 56, 58% which is pretty interesting considering that Oregon's a top four CFP team. I think even the metrics and the AIs know that Oregon's a fraudulent team, if that's the case. Um, So any loss will take them out without question. Um, I think this seems futile at this point, but Alabama needs to lose big to Georgia. Um, Alabama being in the two position, everybody's saying, well, Alabama with a loss to Georgia will kick them out because they'll be a non-championship team with two losses. While I agree... We've seen what the committee has done in the past, and I don't trust that. Alabama needs to lose big. Georgia needs to kick their ass. Uh, be, and and the, worst, the worst possible scenario out of everything, people could look at this team doing this, this team doing that. Georgia slipping up before they play Alabama would really screw things up because it would help everyone in theory, but it crowds the back door into the CFP because now the one spot slips back. Everybody moves up. Georgia has been good all season and they're going to get the championship game. They have a window to clog the two or three or four even slot and take that away from everybody else. So that could be a problem. We need the dogs up front at number one. And finally, above all else, we need the Bearcats to win out and do it with style because we can drone all day about how screwed we are, how, you know, the world is against us. And I love, I hate being the team that has to pity themselves. We kind of have to do it because no one else is going to do it for us. But at the same time, we're our own worst enemy. And the Bearcats need to prove that we deserve that top four spot and let everybody else cannibalize their own schedules, cannibalize their own chances and kick themselves out of the CFP. Because right now, the only thing that's important for us is to win. And I think it's also, you know, a credit to Des, a credit to Fickle, and a credit to the rest of the team. They've done a very good job of shutting up the outside noise, not taking interviews, not talking up all the CFP stuff, not talking about the trophy. They're focused on winning their schedule because ultimately this stuff doesn't matter, but it does. And as long as we make sure that that conversation snuffed out, We'll let them decide whether or not they think we're good. We know who we are, and if we take care of business, we know that we did the best that we could. 
And that is my perfect world scenario. <laughs> you should definitely clip that, put it out there on the Twitter pages. Um, yeah, I agree. I think those things can happen. Um, I, I agree with all those scenarios, and I'm interested to see what, what goes on, you know? So um, I want to like talk about the most recent game that happened real quick. I, I think you did great a great job on that, and I'm just I'm not even gonna try to like match that because you did all the research, and I am very happy for you. Justin um, was not able to watch the two lane game this weekend. He he took a weekend off and took a down to the lovely Michigan Lake Shore. I don't know which lake. Michigan's got a lot of them, but uh, it looked like a, a great time, and I was very happy for him. Sometimes you just got to take a weekend away from football. And uh, you do. As, as someone who worked in it for for college, just like Justin did, got to take a weekend off. Get, just Especially get when away you can. From it. <laughs> so um, I will do the Tulane review for you. Yeah. One was not pretty, was not, was not good, it was not bad. Bearcats were up 14 to 12 at halftime, did not give up a point in the second half. Defense did not look great in the first half. Gave up a lot of rushing yards. Second half, better. First half, offense did not play great. Second half, played better. Didn't get a lot of opportunities to, to get a lot of possessions and score again. Uh, and there was a weird thing in the fourth quarter where Fickle had the ball on his own 45, and it was fourth and one, and they lined up in about three different formations to draw two-lane offside. And then took the delay game penalty and punted the ball. And Fickle responded to that in his press conference today and said, uh, my wife was even getting on me for not going for it on fourth and one there. <laughs> um, so I think in some of these games and two 11 o'clock kicks on the road, uh, two noon Eastern kicks on the road, this one was an 11 a.m. kick, where things happen in, Tulsa, in Tulane in New Orleans on Halloween weekend. We all know yeah. that. The voodoo. But, <laughs> Um, obviously it's not good for our committee, uh, in the committee's eyes, but nothing's ever good enough for them. But yeah, I, you know, you just won, you win, move on. That's all that matters. Um, I think coming out of that and then coming off of this week, we saw Michael Young, uh, tweet something. It was later deleted, but we saw he's like, something about just, uh, just tell us we don't get any respect or it was whatever it was pretty dead on so i do want to preview tulsa real quick funny that we got the the double toll double toll back to back the two-lane tulsa uh, battery back to back uh but homecoming weekend uh wear red saturday uh college game day is coming to cincinnati for the first time ever beyond the mcmickin lawn sources sources crispy sword sauces uh, they uh, it is it will be on McMicken lawn, so get your signs ready. You uh, yours truly will be probably be there early enough to have his sign ready for uh, Mr. Kirk Herbstreet to see. So I'm yeah. excited for that. I, I think people will like, get a kick out of our signs. Um, then Lee Coach is going to have to put on the Bearcat head, right, or do something, right? Like he's yeah. going to have to pick us. I, if, if for some reason Corso didn't pick the Bearcat head, I think that he would be cursed for the rest of his life. 
uh, <laughs> somebody would figure out a way to land a curse on him because the only other chance the Bearcats have ever had to have the Bearcat head on would be at that uh, UCF game, which to be fair, UCF looked uh, quite strong um, and they did end up pulling out that game. But uh, the whole Nitro thing, come on, you know, you got to roll Bearcats. And I would love to see Corso in a Bearcat head just for one time. And I say that too, because we haven't had it yet, but I think we're going to have more opportunities here in the future. I don't think that this is a one-time gig. Um, I think game day will be back here sooner rather than later, um, especially if this team team keeps rolling the way it has over the next few years. Um, So that's exciting. And I do feel that it is kind of sad too, that, you know, we've been talking so much about, game day over the past few episodes just like ah you know we got dodge this weekend got dodge, and then it's like this should be the like headliner kind of thing where it should be hyped about it like this is we finally get the marquee game of the week we get that thing where everybody's paying attention to but it all got freaking ruined about you know two three hours ago because the cfp did what the cfp does and unfortunately that's going to be the case but um but yeah so if we're looking across this game, Tulsa right now is three and five, which um, also, according to the committee, the Navy game and the Tulane game really didn't help us because both the teams are, unfortunately, for lack of better term, uh, trash <laughs> this year. Um, and I think that the, the biggest thing here that sucks is that Tulsa just does not look much better. And I wouldn't even say just Tulsa. I think the rest of the American um the rest of the American just did not do so hot in its non-conference. And then everybody's kind of beating everybody. And it's sort of a week in week out who's going to be winning it. So there really hasn't been a lot on our schedule to do us any favors. Um, and Tulsa will not be doing us any favors this week. So I have to ask you an important question here. Uh, as we asked last year or last week, um, not do they, but how much more are they going to matter style points? Um, I mean, it has to matter at this point, right? Like, yeah. especially when we saw the Bearcats run it up at home uh, two weeks ago uh, when they played bland UCF in back-to-back weeks and scored 50 points in each. I think we'll have to do that once again. And we seem to play a lot better at home. Uh, and a 3.30 homecoming kick if the Bearcats uh, – with the with the crowd at least wearing red, we don't know yet, Justin. Don't know yet what the team what is the wearing. What the Bearcats are going to wear. Yeah, we, we have don't know. no idea. But homecoming is always red, so that's consistent. By the way, uh, if if you're a student that's walking around a campus, uh, don't film the uniform reveal. They, they do a lot of cool things, and I don't want to ruin that. So let's just yeah. let the magic... Stay behind the box. I don't want to see how the sausage is made. I kind of know because yeah. you and I know the the crew that makes those videos, but mm-hmm. I want the magic, you know. <laughs> so it's fun, um, and they've been doing a kick ass job with it this year too. It's not just a thing where it's like, oh, cool, you know, we put out a picture. Like they do a whole video and they do everything for it. Like they really care. So let them care about it and let them have their moment. So real quick, uh, before we get to our predictions. Who would you pick as your celebrity guest picker? Ooh. Mm, 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 mm. I feel like I haven't thought about this question enough, so you're going to have to give me a half second. Why don't you tell me yours, and then I'll jump. So I think a good one would be Kenyon Martin. Uh, I think he has definitely 
come back to UC recently, especially with the West Miller hire and his appearance on the Zoom with the other West Miller players and with UC greats after West West got hired. And he posted a, an Instagram about how Demar Johnson got hired too onto the staff at UC. I think he would be a great one. I don't know where he is right now. He might be in Texas, but they can always fly him out here. Um, I saw someone say Pete Rose, which no, yeah. <laughs> plain and simple. I think I have a bad hunch that it's going to be Nick Lachey. But mm. I can't get too mad about it because he is definitely a Cincinnati guy, Cincinnati to the core. He was drunk tweeting during that Houston game uh, in 2019. And like, I respect him a lot for that because I think a lot of UC fans were drunk tweeting on that day. That was a uh, that was a rough game for for the old Bearcats, but I am gonna just hope it's Kenny Martin. So, what about you? What do you think? Ooh, uh, man, it, it's so hard to pick because there are so many different options. Um, I feel like it is really hard to not go, end up going with the Lachey's here, but um, I've, I would hate to I would hate to just go off what you said, but I feel like Kenyon really is a great pick, um, just because Kmart's you know was such a huge staple of our program and really turned everything around, and I think he probably is the most recognizable face from you know at least that went to Cincinnati that played for Cincinnati. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't really think there's anybody else, but they pulled Mari out of their ass for UCF. So and they pulled Ken Jong last week or yeah. Michigan state. The guy went to Duke. So I would, that was why I was thinking of the Lachey angle. Cause he's probably our biggest celebrity. That's from UC. You could go a weird route and say like someone who went to SCPA, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, the like, the, uh, like Carmen Electra or like Sarah Jessica Parker right. both went to uh, SCPA. Could like if you wanted to, I don't think enough people know him, but you could do Uke, you could do Ian Happ. Both of them former baseball players for UC. Um, if you wanted to do a former football player, try and bring in Travis on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, so, but I don't know, like. I, do they have a game this week? I would imagine so. I'll look that Jeez. up while I'm talking. But like, what do you think? Like, what's another good one? I'm not gonna lie, man. My well is dry on this one. <laughs> well, here's a fun one for you too. Um, the The Eagles and the Chiefs are both at home this week. So, what if you got both Kelsey brothers to fly in? on Saturday morning and do a double celebrity guest picker. Like that'd be funny. I think that'd be sweet. I don't, I don't, they usually don't do sitting. Um, they, they usually don't do player NFL players who have a game on the right. next day just because they, they want them to get their prep work in and stuff. But like Kelsey would be um, like Travis would be a good one. But Kenny Martin, I think would be, I think he's the most popular athlete had you see um uh, justin do we want to get into our predictions real quick all right for our weekly predictions we have a couple questions uh most of them are the same but some of them are different uh for our first question this one 
is keying in specifically to Desmond Ritter. Last week we asked, will Desmond Ritter have over 250 yards? Steve and I both said, yes. and he did not. <laughs> he had 227 yards, came close, but we didn't make our money on that one. So this week we're asking, will Des have over 50 rushing yards? Because he has not necessarily been the running quarterback that we all knew and loved uh, for the past few seasons. He has just opted to throw the ball. Um, so do we think that Des will have 50 rushing yards this week? Yes, just because he will get like a long like 26, 20 and 26 to 30 yard run. And then he will pick up a couple first downs on his own. So but yes, I think he will. For sake of differentiation, um, I would love to agree, but I'm just going to say no. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like we've been so adamant, like they're going to gung ho to everything. We're going to be the firm supporters. I don't know if he's going to hit 50 rushing yards. I think he's just going to be trying to sling it the whole game. And especially if we're going to be um, going for style points, I think he's just going to be having a lot of deep balls. If we can burn those, uh, you know, Tulsa corners, I think we'll be fine. And I think that he's going to have more passing yards than he will uh, be getting those 50. So next question on the list, um, who's going to be your receiving leader this week? It's been uh, kind of a choppy decision week in and week out um, over the course of the season. But Wiley's been the consistent the past two weeks, um, got his shine against Navy and then shined again last week. Uh, and Steve actually got a point off that. So congratulations. You got a plus one there and a plus one in another category that will hit here in a second. But who's going to be your receiving leader this week? I would like to stay with my friend, my boy, fellow GCL alumni, Josh Wiley. But I think I'm going to go someone different. And if I remember correctly, this guy kind of ate last year in the championship game. So I'm going to say Lenny Taylor. I think Lenny Taylor is just too big for these Tulsa guys. I think a lot of the Tulsa guys ended up leaving last year because their DB's coach went to Missouri. And I do remember two of their best corners went to, uh, went to Missouri with that coach. And they still have a couple players on that defense. They don't have 23's Avon Collins anymore. He's in the NFL. I don't remember what team, but he was everywhere last year for Tulsa. He basically won them two, three games. And that's crazy for a defensive player. Still have Jackson Player, who's good on the on on the on the defensive line, but I think Lenny Taylor is just way too big, and he is just too much of a man. And after the last two weeks where they were they were feeding Josh the ball a lot, I think Lenny's going to get another shot to really eat. So I'll give it to Lenny. Who's going to be your receiving leader? Ooh, I think I'm going to go for somebody a little different. And I'm going to pick our guy, Tyler Scott. I think that he's had, um, you know, he's had a couple just hits here and there, but he hasn't really been the main option yet. And I think that this might be a good game for him, especially considering we are going for those style points. Um, I think he's been able to burn on those long balls. I mean, the guy's averaging 25 to 30 yards a reception um, when he's playing in Nipper. So, I mean, granted, a lot of those came from Miami. I think this might be his week. So I'm going to go with Tyler Scott. So for the turnover creator, who are we going to go with? Because last week there were four different turnover creators uh, per our definition, and neither of us picked up a point for that, which kind of sucks. So who's it going to be for you this week? 
I was a week a week early on that Maje prediction. He finally yep. got one, so good for him. Um, I'm going to say Kobe again because obviously they don't. Nobody throws it sauce. Nobody ever tries to throw it sauce. So they uh, they I think they're going to try Kobe again, and Kobe's going to be like, "Nope, what happened today?" And uh, I think he got picked on a little bit last year against Tulsa. Um, I don't really. I haven't really watched that game again after last year, so I'm not exactly sure, but the narrative fits what I'm thinking. So <laughs> I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say Kobe. What about you? That's a good pick. Um I think that I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Sauce this week. I think that somebody's gonna slip up. Sauce is just gonna be in the right place, right time, and I think he's gonna be able to pick one off. So uh, we wanted to mix this one up. Um, uh, it's clear Dublanco and linebackers want to uh, take the award every week. So we're going to change up the tackles leader, uh, which I will say you did get a point last week there, Steve. So congratulations. That's your plus two. We are now tied at Fair two enough. points when there's been an opportunity for like over 20. Um, so clearly we're not the best at this, but we try. Um, we we picked two bad weeks with Navy and Tulane to start this, but regardless. Um, the Bearcats, will they have a 500-yard game against Tulsa? I will say yes. I will say yes, they will. Uh, I think this is the time to really show out after a rough week uh, at the committee uh, office. And offense just needs to really just show out after a, a good, not great last two weeks. Do you agree? I think the Bearcats have been, um, even with style points, I think they might just get better field position thanks to some good defense. Um, and the offense might not have to work as hard to get those style points. So... I'm going to say no. I don't think they're going to make the 500-yard mark. Um, that's a lot in a game, and I think we're averaging in the low, low like, 400s. Um, so our curtailed two-question last uh, finish off here is, will the Bearcats cover the spread? Uh, the spread, as it currently sits, is 22.5. Um, so we'll give our prediction on that and our final score and we could probably get on out of here righty justin um do you have the spread actually right now i haven't even looked yeah 22 and a half sorry if you just said that <laughs> um no, you're good <laughs> i the bearcats have covered every spread at home so far this year uh, other than the murray state game but that might that was like 42 and a half so I'm going to say they've, they're pushed or covered every spread at home this year. I think they're going to do the same because they're going to come out angry. They're going to come out upset after the last yep. two weeks and not playing well. I am going to say that this week's score is going to be 45-7. to seven. And the Bearcats will obviously Ooh. cover that. How about you, Justin? Cover that and, and some. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you on covering the spread. Um, it's hard to pick against the Bearcats on the spread, but I think the past two weeks have just been our sort of oddballs so far this season. But at home, they're going to cover the spread, that 22 and a half, and I think that they are going to be scoring. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot high here. I'm going to go for 53 to 10 Bearcats. I like that score. 
And again, I, I feel like it's just impossible for some of these teams to not get garbage points, but Lord have mercy. If we could shut them out with college game day, that would be great too, but I'm not going to put my money on that. <laughs> nice. With that said, I think that covers just about everything that we've got. Um, we hope that you had a good Halloween this past weekend. Um, if you were in Clifton, hopefully you got to witness all of the craziness that happens year in and year out in Clifton. And if not, hopefully you had some safe travels. Um, and we're going to have to start getting into basketball here soon, too, because basketball starts next week. I think the first game is uh, next Wednesday um, against Evansville. So if it, or if it's not Wednesday, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, yep. Tuesday, yeah. So um, according to our new recording days, we're going to have to see. That might overlap even. Um, but we're going to try to be doing releases on Wednesdays, so it'll be a little bit easier for you guys to listen into the end of the week um, and not be butted up right against the weekend. Because as much as a Friday release is fun, that's when I tend to use uh, tend to listen to podcasts. But I know a lot of people like to make them slow burners. So hopefully that'll make it easier for you guys. But... Um, if you're not already following us on Twitter or Instagram, follow us at Viva La Cats Pod. And you can always check us out as well at UC Uniforms, where Steve will give you the spiciest updates on our uniforms. And he will do it uh, in due time with Bearcats Media <laughs> putting it out themselves first. Uh, so I think that just about covers it. You got any last points here, Steve? We're coming to your city. Yeah, we rolled through Cincinnati and we all got really happy. Grabbed a bowl of that skyline chili along the way. I am excited to hear that in person for the second time. I got to watch the UCF game day show um, from behind the stage, but still cool. Um, so I'm excited to see it in person. So, any last word for you, Justin? Um, I would like to say that if you haven't already, uh, do know that it's never too early to put up your Christmas tree. Uh, we, <laughs> my girlfriend and I did that today, and I am partially excited and partially ashamed of myself. Uh, so it's November, baby. It's November. October's over. It's Christmas for two months. Be ashamed, baby. Back in the old high school, we started singing Christmas songs in mid-October. So I used to not be a Christmas person before high school, um, before bef- before Thanksgiving, but now I'm full Christmas. So I've been changed. Usually when you sing and do things repetitively, it goes the opposite way, but not for me. I'm a changed man. Christmas all the way. Absolutely. And with that, we'll be singing christmas carols for the rest of you uh at the end of every single episode from here on out uh we will not be starting this week though so you guys have a great week again if you're not following us uh on spotify or apple Podcasts, make sure to do that and you guys can stay up to date with all of our new releases now every wednesday instead of fridays so take care and we'll see you guys next week hopefully with a massive bearcats dub over tulsa Sports Social Podcast Network.